So this is mainly a comment on being soft on crime, particularly black crime, black perps. I uh, read this article about how Louisiana is the most incarcerated state. And, you know, there's been a lot of stories and talk about, I don't know if they're investigating. I don't know if the, the, the DOJ is, is investigating any prison in Louisiana or if it's Georgia. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're not probably well run, let's just say. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are. Um, <clears throat> but I just want to talk about this one story that came out in the guardian and it was, it's about basically trying to gin up sympathy for people who are in L- Louisiana, uh, state prisons, uh, serving life term sentences. How do you get a life term sentence? Well, usually it's, it's murdering somebody. Uh, so a lot of these people are serving life term sentences. And so it's, it's creating a, a glut, right, of, of prisoners who are, who are there serving a lifetime sentence. And contributing to the glut is the amount of time that these people who are serving life sentences uh, are in there for, you know, multiple decades. Uh, because a lot of young black men, you know, statistically, they're the ones that are, that are uh, committing the crimes, right? Committing the murders. The most likely age for for a criminal is is a, is younger. That <laughs> skews young. So a lot of these stories from this one um, article were about you know a couple of men who committed a crime, a murder, when they were about nineteen years old, and now um, you know they're serving life sentences, and they've been in there decades. And these activists, right? They're usually black activists, liberal activists who feel really bad for these prisoners who have been conned into believing that they're innocent, right? This is innocence project. There's, um, you know, one of OJ's lawyers, I believe, uh, started this project after he got off OJ. Um, you know, they decided to make a career out of this, a little business and pretend like they're doing good by, you know, getting off, uh, you know, getting off these, these people that have been convicted of murder uh, putting that, you know, wanting to put them back into our society and wanting people to believe the unlikely story that these people are actually innocent. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I don't really buy that. Yeah, our justice system makes mistakes. Um, but I don't think they're making mistakes at the level in which these people think they're making mistakes. They pretty much think every black person in, in jail is actually innocent. Um, and I'm going to talk about how this is going to segue into my next topic. It's sort of a speculation on my part. Um, but, but before I get into that, um, and, and why, why so many blacks feel this is an injustice, why do black people, especially blacks, some, some liberal whites, but why do black people feel like it's an injustice for this guy who's murdered someone, uh, to, to be in jail for life? Why do they think that that's so bad, right? This, in my opinion, he should have been put to death by the state within a year of conviction, a year or two of conviction. He should have been put down. He should have been given the chair, right? Or however they execute now. I don't know what they do now. Is it lethal injection or is it the chair? Who knows? Um, I don't think it's hanging anymore. (laughs) But however the state does it, 
they should have been executing these people. Number one, that's that would provide justice to the victim, which is what the criminal justice system is for, has justice in the name. It's not to see if the criminal right can, can somehow read some books, get a GED, change his life and be released. No, that's not what our justice system is about. That's a perversion of it. The justice system system is there to extract justice for the victim. And if you kill someone, you give up your own right. You don't have a right to live, in my opinion. Now, the, the, the ideas in this country around crime and justice have been so perverted. I think that, that a lot of white people have been leaning on crime. And partly that's because the media hides crime, right? It hides at least violent crime from black people. Right. And so if you don't see in the media, if you don't see it in film, if you don't see it in the mainstream, it's not really being told. It's really being covered up and lied about. You tend to not even notice it unless it affects you personally. Right. So um, and, and we have we've been sort of brainwashed in this country to feel bad for black people. Oh, they commit crime because they're poor. Yes. Uh, they don't commit murder because they're poor. You know, maybe you could maybe make the argument that they might start to steal some food, but they're not going to commit a crime. They're not going to murder somebody because they're poor. Why do you need to murder somebody, right? Um, so we're supposed to feel guilty. We're supposed to feel like these black people and white people, too, are in Louisiana serving life sentences. We're supposed to feel guilty for them, for... Uh, you know, being locked up for life, you know, killing someone at age 19 and now they're, what, 55 and they're still in jail? Sorry, but I don't feel guilty for, for somebody that murdered someone. Justice in this country is not a thing anymore. These people should have been put to death, right? An eye for an eye, that's sort of what I believe in. Not talking about when you accidentally kill somebody. That can happen, and that can happen through ne- negligence, right? But it's not intent to murder, those are two very different things. But if you intend to murder someone, right, if you intend to take a life and you do, uh, you know, you, you sort of forfeit your own life. But this story is written in The Guardian to extract, you know, sympathy. We're supposed to feel bad. This guy served, you know, 25 years in prison. Uh, you know, and it's putting a strain on the Louisiana, you know, resources, the criminal justice system. Well, yeah, because the state won't put anybody to death. Uh, for their crimes. We wouldn't have this problem. Right? There wouldn't be, you know, bloated prisons. There wouldn't be uh, a problem with, you know, out incarcerated and the, the amount of tax taxes that it, it's uh, consuming to, to afford the prison system. Um, we can fix that very easily. Uh, and I don't know why in this country the death penalty is, is sort of gone by the wayside. I'd really like to bring it back. And, and I think that you could change attitudes pretty easily by just exposing the type of crime, just the, uh, the nature of the crime. The, um, if we just talked about crime more often and talked about the victims and talked about their families and what it has done to them, uh, instead of talking about, well, this, you know, the criminal, we talk about, we focus on the criminal all the time. Oh, the criminal grew up poor. It wasn't his fault. You know, I don't believe that. I mean, yes, somebody can have kind of a rough background, but that does not excuse this person from committing violent crime. You know, maybe they get, get, get caught up in, 
you know, some smaller level offenses. I'm talking about like murder. I'm taught that's what I'm talking about. Um, so I want to, I want to sort of segue this into something I was thinking about and it kind of relates. So, you know, I've been noticing that the blacks tend to, um, anytime there's a black perp, right, maybe in jail, they feel really bad for him. Uh, they really want him to be given a second chance. They really think the system is against them. Uh, they, they sort of, I've never really seen a black person call out a black criminal and say what he did was awful. Now, I'm sure that they, they're out there, right? I'm sure that they're out there, but I just don't see it very often. I don't even see them admitting, hey, this, this black guy committed a violent crime. He, he raped, he murdered. He deserves what he got. He deserves to be in jail. He deserves the death penalty. I hardly ever see calls to action like that. And I wonder why. And, you know, I started to think last night, what's with the capital B that, that people are now doing? They're, when they use black and they're referring to black people in the sentence, they always capitalize the B. And I read an article last night or yesterday about, um, it was called something like how to solve our racial problems through partition. And it came up that, you know, blacks in America, they're really a separate nation. And he described the definition of nation as a, a people with a particular history, a common language, a common set of um, a culture, uh, you know, common, um, mainly common history, you know, common genetic line, common um, shared maybe emotional trauma or shared trauma, right? Which blacks do, they were, they were brought over from Africa, common ancestry. Uh, a lot of them actually are only 85%, um, you know, um, African, right? They have, they have some white, you know, European mixed in. So typically they're about 85%. So they're not even, you know, comparable to straight up Africans. Uh, they, they, they have a shared history where they were brought over here. They were, you know, their ancestors were enslaved for hundreds of years. Then they had, you know, Jim Crow, uh, they're in another continent. Uh, they grew, you know, they grew up learning English. Oftentimes they have their own, you know, style of English or dialect, or, you know, even their, their way of talking sometimes is a little bit different depending on, you know, where you are maybe. And that's fine. I mean, yeah, I I grant that they're, they're sort of, you know, they are a separate people. I don't know if, you know, I, I haven't seen the word nation used like that before, but if you want to call them a nation of people living under, living with another group of people who, you know, let's just call them the European stock, um, whose ancestors came here mainly from Europe, uh, whose ancestors might be traced to, you know, common English heritage and, you know, uh, with a common language and culture and values that's distinct, uh, from the African-Americans. So we've got multiple nations or, you know, ethnic groups or people living under the same state. The state is the, is this the government that rules all, right? The state is the, the abstracted, you know, state government. Um, and it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense why black people, um, why they capitalize the B. They consider themselves a, a separate nation and if they consider themselves always sort of fighting against this other nation and, and not, you know, thinking that the rules are never going to work for them or, you know, that this is this is idea in America that 
the government is, is ruling because the people gave it power and gave it, you know, um, we submit to the government because, well, our ancestors, you know, apparently, uh, gave them the power. Well, you know, we don't really give the power when we're born. We don't, you know, we just come, we're born to this government that we live under. So it's not really true that, that we, um, you know, submit either, but I'd say that white people probably feel more respect, uh, for our government than probably a black person does. Cause they're like, well, my ancestors, you know, didn't create this country, didn't really, you know, didn't set up the constitution, didn't, didn't, uh, you know, give consent, right. They were forced here. Uh, I get that. And so maybe, maybe they constantly feel like they don't really belong here, right? This country really doesn't reflect their values, their interests. Um, and if we respect other nations, we respect other countries. We respect the Japanese to build a country for them. We respect the, you know, Argentinians or, you know, pick, it, pick, pick any country. The Indian nation, right? We respect um, the Chinese to build a country that uh, is good for their people, um, however they see fit, right? Well, you know, I know that America has a bad rap of trying to implement democracy in a lot of places. I think that was a, a huge mistake on our part. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, but, but we respect most countries, right, that we don't invade, let's just say. I would say that we respect most countries that we haven't invaded. Middle East is obviously an ex exception, right? Wish it wasn't true. Um, but the, t the same way that we, we say that, hey, this ethnic group in this particular, you know, continent or state or whatever, let's just say India, they have a right to determine the way that they want to be governed, right? And, and to set up whatever kind of system they want to, as long as, you know, it doesn't hurt our nation, uh, we're fine with it. I mean, that, that in theory is how we should behave. Now, the Afri you know, the African-Americans were basically just freed into a country that insulted them horrendously, that, you know, the, the, you know, the ancestors, right? Um, and so that stays with these people. And I get why they're so upset. I get why they think they're, con I think they, they think they're constantly fighting this battle um, because I think they want to be independent. But I think part of the problem, though, with blacks in this country is that they kind of deep down maybe fear that if they were to be their own independent nation, would they be worse off or would they be better off? Right. And I think that probably crosses their mind. Right. Because they have to, they have to come up with a reason why they don't do as well. Right. As sort of East Asians or, you know, South, you know, Indians that come South Asians, I guess is what the term is really, uh, that they come to this country. Right. Um, and they do well, you know, they have to come up with a reason why they haven't been able to achieve comparable levels of success. And they, they don't want to, they don't want to really be honest and look for any possible explanation. They want to just blame it on, you know, white racism in this country. Uh, you know, but during World War II, I believe, you know, the Japanese were treated pretty badly in this country. We, you know, we feared them. Um, now, I don't think they were treated as bad as the African-American slaves back back then, but, you know, we treated them suspiciously. Um, and I've read reports that they weren't treated quite as bad as what, you know, some people have said. 
but regardless, yeah, we, we implemented some rules to discriminate against them. Um, I don't, I don't know the complete history, but, but, but this, this idea that I, I think that, I think that blacks probably want their own country, but again, I have this question in the back of my mind. Do they really think that they could, uh, would they be better off with their own country? I think they'd be better off. Maybe they wouldn't be wealthier or maybe they would have some things that they, some, some things would be different for them. Um, but I think they'd be happier people. Um, I, you know, all the affirmative action, all the government welfare, everything that we do in the United States to try to help them as a, as a group, as a people, um, just backfires. They're still very angry. You know, there's a lot of people that are poor, but that are happy, you know, or poorer. I'm not talking about, you know, famine. (laughs) I'm talking about people that are just, they, uh, you know, they're happy with what they have. They have, they, they are in control of their own country. Would someone go to like a really poor country, poor by, you know, Western standards, but you know, surviving. I mean, would you, would you go there and tell them, you know, Hey, you're doing it all wrong. You, you know, you could be a lot wealthier if you did this, they might just laugh in your face and say, get lost. I mean, and the, I think that's perfectly reasonable, you know, but these, but the people have a right to their, you know, own interests and their own self-determination. I think that blacks are always going to be angry. Even if we doubled affirmative action, they're always going to be resentful. And so if this, this idea that this affirmative action program has only backfired, right? It's only made them angrier. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't work, you know? Um, and I do, I do have this problem though. Like if we're going to be, if we're going to be two nations, I'm just saying two nations, white, white versus black, just reducing that. I know there's other, (laughs) other ethnicities, but the real conflict is white versus black in the United States. If we're going to have two nations, two nations under one state, um, you really, um, you really have to have the people, uh, be able to say, you know, who might go to jury duty or sit on a court, um, that they're going to, they're going to treat the case fairly. Like they're not going to just punish the, the, um, the, the other race, right? So the, the OJ case is a famous one, right? Where black versus white and they, the evidence was pretty clear and the blacks on the jury got him off. And there, you know, there's professors, there's a professor out there, Eli Mistel, who actually coaches black people to um, not look at the evidence and not convict the black guy, even if it's clear he did it, even if they think he did it. They think they're in this constant battle to, um, I think they think they're in this constant battle. And whenever there's like a case of a black against a white in any scenario, they're, they, they want, they want like a win, right? They want to win for their team. That's how they think of it. They don't, they're not looking at the individual case and the, you know, the people involved, they're looking for a win. Uh, And I thought, you know, at first I thought this is racism. I kind of think it is because you're not looking at the individuals. You're looking at, are they black or white? Okay. I know how to vote now. But at the same time, if they're a nation that they think they're, they're sort of struggling for power within the United States, uh, if they're, if they think they're going to be at a con, you know, constant battle with white people in this country, um, you're going to see stuff like that. And is that, ju- is that just a normal reaction, uh, to them thinking that they're in a constant state sort of, of, of warfare or battle? I mean, but how can you survive 
how can a nation, how can a country, a state survive like that with multiple, you know, groups of people warring at each other all the time? I don't, I, I mean, just a recipe for conflict. Um, but, you know, I kind of, it makes sense why they're capitalizing black. I mean, this story came out that they started capitalizing the word black and not white out of respect for black people. It, uh, you know, but if you compare it to all of the things that blacks have, they have their own subgroups of everything, black law society, you know, black segregation on campus, black uh, graduation at universities and high schools, even there's like a black everything, um, black studies department. I mean, that's, that's maybe fine because that's just studying their history, but they have this word, they're truly it as a nation. It's almost like the word Mexico, right? If you were to use the word Mexico in a sentence referring to the state of Mexico, you would capitalize the word. Well, I think that's what's going on with, with, um, with black Americans is that they, they really see themselves as a, as a nation of people with common ancestry and that are just living in this, in the United States, uh, that, that some of them really want to have their own state. Others, I think, just really want to exploit other other groups of people in this country, unfortunately. It's almost like a nation, a group of people in the United States that really believe that that it's their turn, that they, they want to extract revenge. And they don't really want to go out on their own, I think, because they know they're better off sort of in the Western society. Like, they're better off in the United States just getting benefits for themselves uh, and getting, you know, privileges affirmative action um right so I, I think they don't really want their own state right now i think that's a fringe idea which is kind of crazy to think about of uh, it's a fringe idea um but but uh i think it is i think they don't really i think they don't want um an independent state i mean some of them do but that's fringe i think they want to ex- continue to extract benefits extract power, punish white people in this country, or punish, you know, people who are productive, um, make them feel guilty, make them feel shame. Uh, the whole idea behind CRT is to make white people feel shame so that eventually they can pass things like reparations and white people will, you know, be happy to give it to them. Well, that's not going to placate the bucks, right? That's not going to placate them. That's not going to do anything, but that, encourage further anger, right? Because it's almost an admission, right? Once you give in a little bit, it's an admission that somehow we are discriminating. And that's what I don't like about affirmative action too, is that somehow it's an admission that like, that whites are, are, have been bad to the blacks, right? Or that any white today is bad to a black person today, which I don't agree with that. Maybe historically, but those people are long dead. So you can't punish, you know, today's population for what the other people did in the past, right? to your ancestors, potentially, not even you, you know, so I don't agree with that at all. But I really, I'm really starting to think that, that blacks in this country, they really view themselves as a different nation, struggling for power. And so at every turn, they're going to try to punish um, a white, right? So whether it's in a courtroom, also, we see this uh, with, you know, the Till case, Emmett Till, right? Yeah, there's, there's, they're always trying to get, get somebody on the hook for Till. Uh, you know, this woman who's like 87, who 
apparently, she, you know, she's the she's the one that that was whistled at or whatever he did to her. You know, back in the fifties, right? Different time. Now she didn't kill Till, right? Maybe her husband and and somebody else did, but she wasn't the one that actually killed Till. But they want to still try to get her. They tried to indict her for manslaughter or something. And when the jury, the grand jury failed to indict her, you know, the it was a big story yesterday, right? Just outraged by the black community. <laughs> I mean, this case from the fifties, they won't let it go. Like they're moving, they're making a movie about Till, right? They've done so, you, you see, see stories about Emmett Till every day. No, injustice has happened, right? Look at OJ case. Do you see white people, uh, uh, you know, rioting about it? No, I mean, we, we, we analyzed it and we uh, talked about it and we still talk about it. I talk about it. Um, and we learn from it, but we don't, um, but we let it go, right? The blacks just won't let this go. Um, and I think, I don't think they're ever going to let it go, right? That's why I say, if you're a white person, you need to be keenly aware of this sort of black rage, right? You should avoid blacks at all costs. I mean, most blacks, right? Don't get into an altercation with one, turn around, go the other way. Uh, because like the Amy Cooper story in New York city, you know, you know, with dog, her dog, right? This black guy, black bird watcher, apparently feeding her dog treats. Um, I think he entrapped her. Uh, he was trying to call her dog over first. He said, why isn't your dog on a leash? And then he's trying to give the dog treats. That doesn't make sense. So then he started filming it. She called the police because she was afraid. Then it blew up into this story, right, of, of, you know, a woman being fearful of a black guy calling the police and somehow that endangers a black person, right? Um, race relations in this country are absolutely horrendous, you know. And I grew up in the 90s, so I, I don't know how it was in the 60s or anything. But, um, I mean... They say it was pretty bad. There were lots of race riots then. Uh, we really, I mean, I guess you could call the riots of 2020 George Floyd riots. I mean, those were pretty bad. I mean, maybe not not that many people got killed. I mean, some people got killed. A lot of property was destroyed. Um, so, I don't know. Race relations are really, really bad. Um, they're probably going to get way worse. And I think that whites are really acting pretty cowardly. Um, no, they've been conned into this idea of, of self-sacrifice. They've been conned into this idea that they're guilty. Um, they have a lot of sympathy for black people, which is pretty, pretty noble in some ways, but sympathy, too much sympathy and, you know, sympathy that's not genuine or, or it's not, it's not being elicited genuinely. Um, it's sort of been manipulated. It, it, it doesn't feel right. It's just, why, why would you have sympathy? You now going back to the, my first comments on the story, this article, why would you have sympathy for a black guy who killed, right? Who killed someone? Um, you know, we see stories all the time of, of parents of these of victims forgiving um, their, their, their killer. I would never do that. I mean, that's crazy to me. Uh, I would never forgive anyone who killed killed a family member of mine ever. I would want them to, to I would want them to be convicted and sentenced to death. I mean, I think that's justice. 
So I don't know what's going on. I don't know why, why people think that they have to forgive other people that have caused, you know, their family members harm. <laughs> that's, that's alien to me. I don't understand what's going on in their brain. Um, but anyways, I think I'm going to end this here. I don't really have anything else to say on the topic, but that, that, um, I've been doing a lot of like racial commentary recently. I just sort of comment what's ever on my mind. Um, but I watched this, I watched this crypto debate between Pierre Richard and Keith Wiener, uh, that I'll probably comment on at some point. But anyways, uh, thanks for listening.